Welcome to Five Shot Weekly. The saga continues for our center back search. Will it finally get a good resolution? We're getting to all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Shot Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Atlanta United streamed a scrimmage on Saturday, so let's recap it all. It was a 6-1 aggregate total score over Charleston Battery in this training exercise. But uh, yeah, we saw a lot of players score, including Ezekiel Barco twice, uh, Eric Lopez as well, Machop Chol, Kubo Torres, and Lennon all got on the score sheets. And personally, I thought it was very, very interesting to see the pretty much uh, in terms of Gabriel Heinze, the type of style that we were expecting that uh, they would play. It pretty much showed uh, that it was going to be high pressing. It was going to be good combination play and we were going to be tidy in uh, our possession but also in uh, you know kind of how we were taking care of the ball and I thought that was all on show even though there were kind of spurts of uh, you know rustiness and also uh, maybe just the lack of cohesiveness overall but it's kind of what you can expect from the second uh, pretty much friendly or you know training exercise that they called uh, for this. It was four 30-minute quarters, and so definitely is a little bit uh, not as usual of uh, what people are used to watching. But I think, you know, personally, seeing all that, we got to see more of the players uh, that we maybe didn't uh, get to see uh, very much or that they were new, and we got to pretty much uh, get a glimpse into more of uh, their playing style. And that very first starting 11 uh, included Rocos Rios Novo, uh, the kind of academy goalkeeper that uh, came from Lanus, but uh, now is uh, given a very large opportunity, it seems like, uh, to start the game pretty much. Uh, But also Jack Gurr, George Campbell, Miles Robinson also started in that first 11, Mikey Ambrose. It was definitely more of a kind of a split squad type of uh, some starters in the first one and then uh, some starters in each other quarter. But uh, Heinemann and Sosa filled out that uh, central midfield as well as Barco, uh, as we were uh, pretty much alluding to last week, that yes, uh, it seems like Moreno is more on the left this year instead of uh, his customary in the middle of central midfield. But uh, Jurgen Dom was on the right. Licha Lopez was up top and Moreno as well on the left. So, uh, and then also in that uh, kind of second half of the, pretty much the third 30-minute quarter was Guzan starting. It was Lennon on the right uh, as right back. Uh, it was the John and Walks. And uh, as the central defenders, Bello as that left back, uh, it was Abdullaye Jop uh, in uh, as uh, one of the uh, defensive midfielders, as well as Franco Ibarra, the new boy, and Tyler Wolf as well was in the midfield as well centrally. 
And uh, Chol was on the left. Joseph Martinez made an appearance. Our boy, the king, uh, up top. And Jake Mulraney was on the right. Uh, pretty much every player except for Jackson Conway and Mateus Hosetu took part in this training exercise. Uh, unfortunately, Gabriel Hainsey did not speak to the uh, the press after that, and so there is no kind of reason why, uh, actually, that we know uh, for why Hosetsu and Conway were not taking part. But uh, all in all, what what were your thoughts on the scrimmage, and you know, any any takeaways, Mark? Yeah, I mean, like as you alluded to, I think you had to expect some rustiness. So obviously, a little bit of an auspicious start, giving up first multi-angle um but you know you look at these lineups so i i thought uh, it was actually pretty interesting that rio snow started with the first group um you know i thought you know just for him personally um maybe that's like sort of a, um, a psychological boot, uh, you know or if a uh, uh, a show of good faith essentially you know like hmm. the, this is clearly the prospect i think that the club is excited about and wants to develop to be uh to maybe one day take over for guzan full-time um campbell getting the start in the first game i thought he looked pretty decent um and you know depending on <laughs> how things go in terms of uh the center backs and our center backs and how we're able to address that position which we'll get to um he may have a big big uh, role to play i mean if you think about it too uh the way campbell's being brought along uh overall for his career it's not too uh dissimilar from Miles robinson you know mouse didn't play at all in 2017 got a couple starts in 2018 and 2019 he was uh when frank Ward came in he was a starter from day one so um we'll see if campbell you know is able to earn some playing time and uh really show what he can do um obviously for signing sosa um i guess uh, all you can really say is he seems to be as good as advertised so far uh again rustiness again it's early it's preseason, but uh you know you you do you like what you saw obviously you don't you don't want to see like <laughs> the the opposite of that, which would be, uh, I guess, kind of him flopping, but he didn't do that, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, that for the that is an interesting lineup with Bark being in midfield and Reno being on the on the left, and then we also saw Licha Lopez, and I, you know, I think you and I have definitely alluded to this as well in past episodes. He is going to need to play. You know, we can't uh, can't expect Joseph to to kind of pick up where he left off you know obviously uh coming off an acl surgery we have to the club has to be responsible with him and so um and you know he, he looks he looked good he looked sharp uh so uh yeah i think those will probably be my takeaways barco scored a beautiful free kick which like i don't care mm-hmm. i don't care if it's a training session or a game or what that's just a gorgeous free kick so oh yeah off the um, post it's just, it was... it, oh gosh yeah yeah exactly i think it was like the short side of the goal too if i remember correctly and so um you know to beat the keeper from that angle um really good strike it's just it just goes back to you know like we've we've seen the flashes before from bar but like we know what he's capable of and um it's it's exciting to see it and hopefully we're able to he's able to translate that into consistent production in the league um but yeah and first in terms of first 16 minutes, I guess. Um, those are probably my main takeaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms of this... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we need to, uh, I think, put this caveat out there that Charleston Battery 
had uh, pretty much two training sessions before this, so uh, they were very gracious to pretty much uh, grace us with their time. And essentially, yeah, they looked off it, that's for sure, but uh, it definitely was uh, as well. A lot of those players were not mash fits, uh, and they played far longer minutes than a lot of our players did. So, uh, yeah, I think it's less of the scoreline here that uh, should be noted. I think it's more that... Uh, you know, what chances were we fashioning? Uh, you know, what kind of style were we really playing? And I think I think a lot of us saw that uh, it's something that's a lot more exciting than what we were previously uh, having to experience in yesteryear. But, uh, but yes, your, uh, your second, uh, yeah, 60 minutes. What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Uh... King Joseph is back. <laughs> That's, yeah. Ooh, thank God, it, first and foremost. Um, right. Didn't get too involved, unfortunately, but... You're right, yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, probably has to get his legs back a bit, you know. Uh, he's got a... I mean, it's been, what, over a year now since he played, so... Right. Um, Pretty much only played 30 minutes. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it seemed like the second group had, I guess fewer projected starters um so but you know i thought walks look decent you know bello i am definitely excited to see what he can do with ansay um in this system Mm -hmm. Uh, left back to left back and yeah right and then uh chol you know i mean He looked, he was so smooth. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect from him. I didn't, wasn't sure what kind of player he was other than he's a winger. But mm-hmm. uh, he just, he looked so natural with the ball, you know, making runs in behind, running with the ball, doing the step overs. I thought his goal was really well composed. Um, so, and yeah, also was, he's a beast. <laughs> he's a beast of a human being as well. Like, yeah, massive. Yeah. Yeah, no, like one of the points I made on Twitter is like my favorite kind of players are like the tall guys who are like still balanced and not awkward. And that's, you know, I that might sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's, it's true. You know, like yeah. in soccer in particular, I think typically you think of your skillful players, especially attacking the field being on the shorter end. Um, but to have that height and that skill, that's a dangerous combination. And so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he can break into the first team and get some minutes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, who fills in where in terms of roles. Like, uh, you know, I think Moraney has a part to play still for this team. I think, uh, you know, like I mentioned, walks before. I think Lennon probably will have a part to play in this team as well. So, um, and of course, we got our first signing of Ibarra, and it'll be interesting to see whether he's a starter or uh, you know if he's gonna play the same position as Sosa so maybe there's a bit of rotation who knows uh but I did I, I found it interesting that Hosetsu didn't play at all you know and mm-hmm. um I do kind of wonder what's uh what that deal is whether he's not fit or whether he's just kind of kind of on the outside looking in right now yeah um but yeah. yeah I mean you know you don't uh, there's there's only so much you can take from a preseason uh matchup especially against a team have that much match fitness but uh mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's fun when it looks like that right and yeah i think also it's i mean you know uh some of the 
like two goalkeepers that also didn't play you know, play a part as well in Alec Can and Ben Lundgaard. So, uh, you know, there definitely is maybe people are looking too much into players that didn't take a part as well. But uh, yeah, in terms of that uh, that second thirty or second sixty minute, um, yeah, Abdullaye Joppa, who um, yeah was one of uh, the. Uh, pretty much LA United two players that were taking parts, but also a bunch of academy players also did as well. Uh, Lamb also took part. That uh, yeah, both of them had some assists in uh, in tow with some of those goals at the end in terms of for Kubo Torres and uh, Brooks Lennon. I mean that Brooks Lennon goal was well well taken. Oh yeah, like he. Uh, he had one that bounced off of the uh, the crossbar that probably, if uh, VAR was uh, yeah actually on during, uh, it, it went in. It it bounced in and out of the uh, the goal essentially. But uh, so he arguably could have had two Lennon, and uh, and that's really great from pretty much him playing right back in this game. So you know he was definitely getting forward and into some good scoring positions for sure. Uh, but also I think yeah it's that. Uh, Jop is probably a little bit more defensive-minded, and Hosetu, you know, he's definitely more of that kind of attacking midfielder uh, that's probably maybe isn't being prioritized possibly, or, you know, so there is some interesting things that uh, could be on the horizon for uh, Hosetu, uh, depending on if we can get some roster moves that we want or not. But also, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, Ezekiel Barker, like you mentioned, the just, I think, eye for goal that he was having in this, like, he looked very hungry. He looked very much like a, a guy that is a man on the mission type of uh, thing for sure. Uh, Licha Lopez, uh, definitely, I think the way that uh, that first group in the first uh, 60 minutes played together, uh, it was definitely more centrally. Uh, it was definitely more through Sosa. Through Licha Lopez to link the play, uh, Licha Lopez definitely came deeper, and that allowed uh, the likes of Moreno, Dom, Barco to, uh, and then later on Eric Lopez uh, to get forward. And uh, yeah, you saw through Eric Lopez's goal how uh, that press would work. Is yeah, you know, you uh, you definitely if you lose the ball quickly, you try and get the ball again, counter press them, and yeah, Lopez. Uh, to Lopez, I mean, hopefully something we get to see a good bit of uh, often this year. But yeah, I mean, um, I think all in all, it's, uh, you know, you don't take away too much from this game. But it's just, I think overall, there's that style. There's that system that we are uh, encouraged by very much so that uh, Hainse, you know, also afterwards... After the game, held another training session uh, to probably hammer home some of those <laughs> things that he didn't like out of the game, and uh, where maybe a team that was a little bit more, uh, you know, further along would be able to punish us for those mistakes. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind that uh, he didn't really take uh, a part in kind of, you know, a conference. Uh, press conference with uh, the media afterwards and uh, was able to work right. on more things with the squad. So any uh, any parting thoughts on that scrimmage that we we saw? Uh, 
well, to allude to something that you brought up, certainly we want to see the counter-pressing, right? The winning the ball uh, high up the pitch. I think that was what was missing from uh, the boys at United. Um, and I think that would be more in tune with uh, the style that we've been accustomed to. I think it just makes good sense, you know? I think the right. best time um, to attack is when a team's defense is not really set, you know, when they're still... Uh, when they're still sort of uh, scrambling. And so, you know, definitely want to see more of that. Uh, now I was just thinking, because you mentioned the uh, the extra training session, uh, a scrimmage between those two lineups would have been interesting. Probably would have been uh, more competitive, right? So, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a good sign. You know, like like you said, you can't take too much from, um, from, from this uh, scrimmage, but so far, so good. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah, those teams uh, probably have been playing each other a good bit through training, and that's when you see different, uh, you know, different types of opposition. Then you can really kind of uh, know how to adjust the squad a little bit, adjust the eleven, and that's probably, uh, yeah, the good part about both of those types of uh, kind of training exercises. But uh, yeah, let's mm. wrap a bow on that and move on to the transfer saga of Alan Franco. Uh, we definitely uh, have been taken through some twists and turns for sure. It's uh, yeah. So we'll just kind of walk through it just a little bit because it's been a thing. I mean, yeah, uh, Alan <laughs> Franco has been linked with us for a minute now. And uh, then, you know, it was off. Uh, because Brazilian side Sao Paulo apparently came in for him, made a better offer than what we had in terms of 2.8 million for 50% of his rights. It was a 4 million for 80% of his rights, apparently, anyway. Uh, <laughs> even though it was Cesar Luis Merlo that reported this, uh, yes, it was something that, uh, yeah, it seemed like LA United pretty much called BS on it. And they were like, yep, yeah, we're going to call you on your bluff here and uh, just wait it out. And so throughout that week, uh, pretty much last week of Wednesday and Thursday, that's when all this news transpired. They waited. They said that uh, apparently, yeah, Merlo reported that LA United were moving on. And uh, yeah, Independiente probably were sweating at that point because they are in <laughs> right. some debt. And, uh, yeah, they also owe Torino reportedly $1.8 million. So, yes, they need the money. And, uh, yeah, it pretty much it didn't take long. Saturday night, uh, these journalists love working on, you know, <laughs> these nighttime shifts or something. They just don't sleep. They don't have a life. But, uh, <laughs> but either, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Saturday night, uh, it was reported that LA United will be going with the $2.8 million offer for 50% of his rights and that he would be traveling next week and that would be this week. And so, uh, yeah, you know, he has since hopped on a plane He uh, where he will take a physical in Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, there are still going to be some details to be resolved, says Matias Martinez. Uh, those details are that uh, he would get, uh, well, Independiente would get 100000 if Atlanta, Atlanta United wins MLS Cup and Franco starts 75% of the games. And also another 100000 if Franco is chosen amongst the MLS best 11 in a season. 
And uh, yeah, also for the other 50% of Franco's rights. And uh, also, uh, yeah, there's also some other things that happened while he was on his way here. So he unfortunately caught COVID uh, at some point. And yeah, now uh, the deal is going to be fine. It's not going to be uh, affected uh, according to uh, Merlo, but it will be... <laughs> something or according to Matias Martinez but uh it will delay some things that's for sure and so him taking his physical possibly uh there also will be sort of that maybe 10 day period that he'll have to wait and make sure that he is no longer covid positive so yeah it's uh it's been a whirlwind i would say but uh it's seemingly if he can pass his physical we should have Alan Franco through the door, but uh, it might be a little later than we were expecting, and uh, it might be until about April-ish that he is actually uh, able to train, possibly. So, you know, for me, it's been feeling like a little bit like Spinal Tap in terms of their drummer, uh, and if you anyone's familiar with that uh, mockumentary, but uh, pretty much their drummer always just uh, continues to die and uh it's very yeah one of those things where like we cannot keep pretty much or try to get through the door a center back apparently it's just one of those weird things previously it used to be a left back for us uh because yeah we uh right. had greg garza always injured and then mikey ambrose got injured and then we yeah <laughs> Uh, Bello got injured, and so at that point, it was just like, who do we have? It's left-back optional, and uh, <laughs> at least we have some right. depth in the center-back department. Uh, yeah, right. previously alluded to with George Campbell and Anton Walks as well, right. uh, and, of course, some of the other prospects. But, uh, yeah, I mean, between this, between <laughs> the Hector David Martinez falling through because River came in for his other 50%, uh, between Lataro Giannetti failing his physical. I mean, whew, it's been an ordeal. So uh, anyway, all that being said, what are your thoughts on what's happening with Alan Franco, Mark? This is, I swear it's like made for Netflix. Like you could do a series just on Elena trying to ban it, buy a center back this, uh, this offseason. Um... Something you alluded to in the last in the transfer daily the last transfer daily that you did, um, Sao Paulo fans were actually confused about that rumor because uh, you know they were confused as to where the money was coming from, and so like you know, like we can't afford this, see, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, so yeah, a lot of bluffing, a lot of posturing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing that always helps the buying team is when the player wants to move, and it seems pretty clear that he wanted to make this move. Um, it appears that promises were made in the past, whatever. He's a he's openly talked about this move as being a big move for him, a big step in his career. Um, you know, he is only twenty four. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that uh, Independiente were in a position where they kind of have to get this done. Um, there aren't any other real suitors who can match what Atlanta United is offering right now. Um, so I'm hoping this is it. I mean, the COVID thing, geez, man, because like that that's going to delay his ability to, you know, complete the deal and train and so on. But 
um first of all hopefully he's you know he'll be okay hopefully yes. he won't suffer any serious effects um and then you know eventually we'll get that uh hope fingers crossed we'll get that darren neal's uh, cryptic tweet and then it'll be announced but uh <laughs> i don't i don't I, i'm not making predictions <laughs> like i just i don't know that <laughs> i think this is it but i i really cannot say yeah, uh, definitely knock on all the wood possible for sure for this. Uh, but if we can get him through the door, he seemingly is uh, the type of player that we need. Uh, very decent on the ball, uh, very strong in reading the game, and uh, a player that will be very hard-nosed and uh, I think probably pretty decently familiar with uh, Heinze's system and also the flexibility to be able to play in a three-man uh, backline and also a two-man backline. So definitely someone that uh, will be able to help us uh, really uh, as kind of that starting center bag that we need. But uh, hopefully, yes, there are no more twists and turns included in this, but we shall have to see because, yes, there will be some other aspects that we'll have to wait on but uh anyway let's move on from that in probably a somewhat related type of deal that's la united made they announced that they acquired a 2021 international sl uh, roster slot uh and that was from colorado rapids in exchange for 225 thousand dollars in gam or general allocation money and uh yeah it seems like it could be in preparation for Alan Franco's roster spot or also uh, to open up just another one because we probably still actually, yeah, we need to open up that other one as well. Uh, we have, I think we are one player over currently before Franco is even in the team. So, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, there is another one that we need to open up. Could that be uh, through a green card? Maybe to Anton Walks, maybe Jurgen Dom. Uh, but Jurgen Dom did come in halfway through the season last year, so I think my guess is a little bit more that it's Anton Walks. But uh, it also mm. could be, what if a player has to be sold? Maybe those players that are on the fringe or that are maybe a little surplus to requirements, like I previously alluded to right. in terms of Mateus Osetu or Jake Mulraney. Right. They could be the ones that are sacrificed, maybe traded intra-MLS or something, but... Uh, it seems like also, I mean, because John Gallagher was sold for pretty much uh, about the the uh, rate that we gave for this international roster slot, it pretty much seems like that's about the going rate. You sell a John Gallagher and you get an international roster slot. It, does that seem a little expensive now? Or, uh, you know, does that just seem like kind of par for the course that everyone kind of knew that we were needing an international roster spot slot as well yeah i think it's that i think um to a degree it's a bit of it, it comes down to value right because there are certainly clubs like atlanta united and other mls clubs who really want those international roster spots who are really going to go out and get those players and then there are other players who are um you know they'll focus their moves elsewhere and so I think uh, this trade makes a lot of sense for both parties. Um, in this case, you know, the, the other party being the Rapids. And so, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> well, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's fair enough. I guess you know, like 
we like like you said we needed the the international roster spot so you know yeah they know that we have it we know they know that we have the gam um i'm gonna miss gam he's a wonderful <laughs> servant to the club uh best of luck to him in yep as always for, uh, uh, uh <laughs> very uh very versatile positionally uh but uh ultimately right. <laughs> you know they had to go real team player yeah real yeah. team player but uh yeah th their attitude sometimes mm, a little spotty but uh anyway uh, <laughs> so let's move on <laughs> to uh Basically, the news that Stephen Glass, our interim manager last year, obviously, uh, and now, uh, well, he went back to being the Atlanta United 2 uh, manager for at least, you know, in theory. They hadn't really trained very much, I don't think. But uh, now he has been officially named as the new Aberdeen FC manager. Uh, he was just named, and yeah, uh, Aberdeen fans aren't too happy about this, uh, even though he is a former player of theirs, but there are uh, some things in their current uh, kind of um, setup that they are not uh, very keen on, uh, one of them being the kind of sister partnership with us as LA United, it seems like, because Dave <laughs> Cormack also is a... Uh, you know, an Atlanta resident, and he's an Atlanta United season ticket holder, uh, but he's also their president right now, uh, that they think some, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, it's not collusion, but they're thinking, like, uh, there's a little mm -hmm. bit of favoritism, a little bit here, uh, you right. know, friends giving friends jobs, but uh, either way, Glassy has been, I think, speaking of very, very good servants for uh, LA United, um, he actually truly has been a very good servant for LA United. He was dealt a very difficult card last season, uh, following Frank de Boer's footsteps in terms of having to take on a team without a Joseph, uh, you know, without pretty much uh, two DPs for a large part of the campaign. But also LA United too, pretty much being more of a developmental squad. Like he's never really had a uh, full-on you know, kind of full strength team to actually manage before. And so in that, he's been able to develop some of our players really well. George Bello definitely, uh, you know, got a large amount of opportunities through Stephen Glass, as well as uh, the likes of maybe a Jack Gurr, who uh, definitely praised him when he was, uh, you know, announced as Aberdeen's uh, manager as well. But, uh, yeah, there definitely is, you know, something, I think, in the respect for Aberdeen that's, uh, yeah, you can see where they're coming from in terms of their fans. But, right. uh, yeah, what, what do you think of this move for uh, Glass, for LA United, and, uh, you know, just at least tangentially? Um, I'm happy for him, you know, and as I've stated before, like, this would definitely represent a step up in his career. Um, you know, I can't really speak to how Aberdeen operates, so, you know, if friends are frustrated about that, then fair enough. But what I would say is I would not hold Glass's win-loss record against him with the twos or the first team, you know. Um, obviously, like, with the twos, we know what the deal is, that it was more of a developmental team. Um, you know, the lineup changed pretty much week to week. Um, a lot of academy players, a lot of players that would get called up to the first team, and so... Um, you know, he was, uh, that's a difficult situation to manage, and that's um, not a traditional situation, so to speak. 
Um, and then, you know, he was he was an interim. He was fully an interim coach uh, who was essentially just holding the position down while in while Atlanta United were doing their search. And he also had uh, one of the his biggest players, best players sold and they didn't replace him right away. Um, and even, you know, even though they did eventually go and get Moreno, you know, uh, he has to get acclimated to the league and so on. I think there was um, sort of a tacit understanding that we, Ali and I weren't going to get much out of 2020 once the boar was, uh, was let go. Uh, so, you know, I think he handled those situations as well as one could reasonably expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope he does well with Aberdeen. Yeah. I mean, uh, by all accounts, pretty much everyone that uh, has uh, pretty much said a really kind word about Stephen Glass, definitely, like, he seems like a consummate human, for sure. Uh, also, right. uh, during my, uh, you know, really tough period last year, his wife also reached out, uh, especially on the last day of the season, uh, yeah, like, Unfortunately, they weren't able to win that game, but they were definitely saying uh, some kind words about my situation and w- really wanting to win it for me as well as uh, Corey's family. And so uh, definitely, I mean, I, I wish the Glassy family all the best because they have been, I think, uh, incredible servants to Atlanta United, to Atlanta. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, there are, yeah, some certain things that... Uh, I think conversely on the other side, hopefully he learns from some of those uh, things that uh, happened during his stint in Atlanta as the first team manager, uh, handling Ezekiel Barco and the mystery between why he was out the team for such a long period. Uh, hopefully uh, he learns from that, and you know there will be better communication with the the media in those cases that maybe one of their star players for Aberdeen cannot take part. Uh, yeah, hopefully there are certain things like that that, uh, yeah, he has learned from. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, it's basically, you know, Stephen Glass, uh, he's a guy that uh, was promoted from within, pretty much from uh, the academy to the LNA 2s to uh, the first team uh, manager for a while. I mean, he definitely, like, really saw us through a period of time. And so definitely a guy that is a big part of our history. So, uh, definitely wish him all the best, but it will be very interesting to see who we bring in as the Atlanta United 2's manager. Now, uh, we you know, could promote internally or we could bring somebody else uh, from the outside, but you know, maybe there's someone uh, from the academy that could do the job. I think I would personally want to keep Tony Annan as the academy director and not uh, you know, move him yeah. on because uh, I think he's done a really, really good job. Uh, you know, bringing guys in from locally and also, uh, yeah, really, I think, developing a lot of these players that are now taking a larger part of, uh, you know, what you see on the first team now. But, um, yeah, what, what do you think, uh, you know, on, you know, I think final thoughts on Stephen Glass? Um, I don't know if I have too much to add. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think that, he has uh, some potential, um, you know, the the Aberdeen situation, whatever that situation, it, it seems it might be a little bit tough. So um, might be a case of he's going into yet another tough situation. But, um, you know, hopefully he adapts. I think it always helps when 
uh, you know the club. You've you know you've been there. You understand it, and uh, hopefully he wins over the fans, and you know hopefully they get results. Yeah. All right. So moving on, LA United have announced a new sleeve sponsor, as we uh, alluded to last uh, episode. AT and T will be a sleeve sponsor in the 2021 season. Only the 21 se- 2021 season, though. Uh, but. Uh, Darren Eels did speak about it as uh, saying LA United were one of the few clubs to introduce sleeve sponsorships or partnerships prior to the 2020 season, and they're pleased to be able to continue and explore new partnership opportunities. Uh, yeah, it seems like this is more before kind of the uh, you know pandemic-stricken type of uh, uh, things, and hopefully past that we will not have to see uh, these sleeve sponsorships because this is a slippery slope uh, like we talked about last episode it could start to get into oh you don't like it? <laughs> it could start to get into some uh, Mexican uh, jersey territories that uh, yeah like right. 15 sponsorships is a little much uh, <laughs> one is good for me you don't want to see sweet water plastered over the back and uh, what else? Yeah. <laughs> what else can we get in there? Right. I know. Uh, <laughs> my favorite is, uh, well, I mean, uh, it's not my favorite. I'm very much tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, Philadelphia Union right, and right. other teams that have, like, bimbo on the front of their, you know, it's like, <laughs> hmm, maybe not the best look. Uh, could find a better sponsor. Yeah. It's one of those, like, you know, it, it starts to get into, like, yeah, more embarrassing type of uh, name territory when you, uh, you know, kind of get further oh, yeah. down into the depths of, uh, you know, those different types of sponsorships. But anyway, uh, let's move on. I will to, say, yeah, go um, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, I, AT&T is kind of a big, you know, deal. It's a big you know, like, I, I, I was... Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised that uh, actually they were able to get someone, uh, you know, an MLS team was able to pull someone that big. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's cool. Hopefully yeah. it means uh, a little more of this. Yep, a little more green so we can, uh, you know, pay more of our players or, you know, buy more uh, more right. talent. But uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to Santiago Sosa talking to the media. He explained that his uh, number five role or number six role uh, for LA United uh, is going to be pretty much bringing more fluidity on both sides of the ball. And, yeah, we definitely saw a little bit of that during the yeah. training exercise. Uh, he said that uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium's wide field plays to Gabriel Hainsey's style of play. Uh, yeah, I think you definitely saw that with Tata Martino as well, that we utilize that space that we can get with a kind of slightly larger field. And um, also that Sosa claims to be taking English classes so that he can communicate better with all of his teammates. Uh, That's good to see as well as uh, that Santiago Sosa mentioned that there isn't uh, a lot of tactical study on the game so far. But uh, for Alajuelense, uh, I mean, it's still a little bit a ways away. Probably more next week they'll probably be delving into it. But uh, they... As players recognize that the game is very important. Yeah, I think it's going to start off our season. It's also going to uh, start off our Champions League campaign. It's pretty freaking important, I would say. So uh, good to <laughs> good to see that right. they uh, have prioritized that, at least mentally. But um, right. Anton Walks also talked about uh, the team, and he... Uh, on if any new faces around Atlanta United uh, in the training camp or preseason have stood out to him. He singled out Machap Chol and 
Uh, I think that's with good reason there. But uh, he said, quote, Troll's performance the other day speaks for itself. He deserves all the props he's getting right now. That's only a glimpse of what he has to offer. Ooh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a mm. great tease on uh, Troll's uh, ability there. And, um, yeah, it's right. good to see that he's getting some recognition because, yes, I think he was definitely one of those standouts like uh, Mark was talking about as well. And, uh, yeah, let's move on to April 6th. Uh, in terms of the uh, stream, it will be streamed on FS1. So, you know, at least a, t a couple weeks ahead of time that, uh, yeah, where it's going to be. That's amazing. I mean, most of us don't usually know until, yeah, whenever. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. on the day. Right. Yeah, usually. But, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> And that's thanks to Rob Usry there, uh, who was checking his uh, on-demand there. But uh, also, uh, the Birmingham Legion preseason match will not be live-streamed, unfortunately. So only the people that uh, will be going to the game will be able to watch that. Uh, so that's very unfortunate. Of course, that time change is now 3 p.m. on that Sunday, Eastern Time. Uh, moving on from that, uh, it also looked like that Ezekiel Barco... Yeah, obviously, he's uh, training with the team, and he was apparently, reportedly anyway, uh, according to Santiago Caruso, was called in to the Argentina national team for the U23s roster, but LA United did not release him. Uh, I think for obvious reasons, we have a very important start to our campaign that he did not take part with that. But uh, I think obviously, maybe later on in the summer, when those actual things are happening... He probably will take more part of it. But uh, anyway, uh, let's move yeah. on to uh, the kit numbers that uh, pretty much mostly have been revealed. And uh, we're just waiting on Alan Franco, which I would assume would probably take number six here. But uh, yeah, you see this on screen currently. Uh, any of these really surprise you? I mean, you have Alex DeJohn with a pretty, uh, yeah pretty high number there in or high but at least uh you know in terms of uh low number i suppose is better to say well in terms of prestige right 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 yeah. number three i would have maybe taken that uh george bella would have taken that number but uh you know right more of a traditional well, maybe uh, yeah, miles robinson number. yeah yeah miles robinson yeah has worn six in the past but he stuck with his 12 i think uh maybe for kind of luck reasons he's maybe sticking with that um yeah but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. we've talked about some of these previously, but um, yeah, any of these surprise you? Um, no, not really. Um, I guess you have Sosa taking five instead of six. Um, that that seems to be deliberate uh, because you know he when he was talking about his role, he uh, didn't really describe it as a six. That that, that position is always. I think generates a lot of discussion because the defensive midfield position that is because I think it's a constantly evolving position mm -hmm. and then it depends on you know uh, the tactics Which of country? the manager. So yeah, right, all of that. Right, Argentina more yeah. more so calls it the number five, um, the libero, and so it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean that yeah to me um, wasn't too surprising. Uh -huh, go ahead. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm glad uh, Machop Chol's taken the number 30. Um, hopefully he can do that number justice. Uh, we don't need to talk about the award before. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but other than that, uh, surprises. No, no, not nothing that really jumps out as as weird. I mean, like you know, Setsu is number nine, but that's from he's he's been that's number nine. Year. You know, yeah. that's uh, that's been strange, yeah, exactly. but. <laughs> <laughs> Is what it is. But, uh, yeah, no, no real surprises for me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to uh, Jurgen Dom's TikTok. He has been showing some things behind the scenes in and around the training grounds and also on match days, uh, or at least our training exercise days and whatnot, friendly days. Um, and, yeah, uh, this one in particular was very interesting. I think that, uh, you know, he went through... The uh, the pretty much training exercise day, and you got to see kind of really behind the scenes. Uh, also, uh, yeah, I mean, something that we don't necessarily always get to see uh, from a player's perspective. So it was very cool that he uh, he showed this on his TikTok. I think he's been answering a lot of questions uh, through the offseason. And yeah, it's uh, very cool that Jurgen Dom uh, is just so open about all this and also he's very much right. yeah it's like uh he's kind of taken the reins of like a miguel Amiron in terms of just that really happy-go-lucky character on the team and uh mm -hmm. yeah he's that guy that is showing even more i mean i think miggy was a little bit more uh more shy but Jurgen dom is all about social media and uh you know he's a right. uh, I think very decent player as well, so it's one of those that's uh, very cool to be able to get this behind the scenes from him. But um, anyway, yeah. last bit of news is that Atlanta United 2 have announced their uh, season openers, and we will open the season uh, on the road against Louisville City on April 24th at Lynn Family Stadium. And then our opener at Fifth, Fifth Third Bank Stadium will be against FC Tulsa on May 19th. And then also at AutoZone Park uh, for the Memphis 901 uh, FC match. It would be on June 16th. Uh, that's also going to be a very interesting match in that I think some of these uh, are going to be very disparate in terms of, yeah, there's going to be other matches, I think, sprinkled in. But the fact that we pretty much have a month before uh, we head home uh, in that Atlanta United 2 season, it's uh, going to be fascinating how this LNA2 oh. season is going to be played. Uh, looks like there's going to be some right. time between some matches, but, you know, it'll be interesting. We'll Possibly, see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, that does it for the news and pretty much the entire show except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, who impressed you most in the scrimmage against Charleston Battery? on Saturday and that you're looking forward to seeing more of in 2021. Let us know in the comments below. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.